Leafs fam, hockey world. What's going on? This is the Leafs Convo. I'm Norman James. Are the Leafs staring at Panarin? Believe it or not, there is speculation. The Buds are interested in adding yet another point-producing forward. Don't they have enough already? Mike Ogello is standing by in beautiful Cheektowaga, New York. He and I will discuss. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about the Leafs goaltending situation. Not the starter. We know Freddie Anderson is the man. But what about the backups? Three guys potentially vying for the job. I'm ready to go. Mike's ready to go. I know you're ready to go. Let's pod. The Leafs combo starts now. And here's our friend, Mike Godjello. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, Norman. How are you? Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's a lazy summer day. The Yankees lose a game last night that they shouldn't have lost. And uh, a, a guy dogs it down the first baseline, but I'm trying to recover. <laughs> and was this about Gary Sanchez being traded? No, possibly. that's. No, that was actually that was a fake Ken Rosenthal account. I, I saw that just like you did, but it's not it's not true. Mm. You know Twitter. It's all about that fake news. <laughs> so is the presidency apparently. <laughs> Ooh, careful now. Careful. Um, how did the Leafs get linked to Artemi Panarin? Well, um, it was a report from uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. He does an appearance uh, occasionally on NHL Network. And uh, the Panarin situation is uh, interesting in the fact that he has let the Blue Jackets know that he will not be resigning with them, um, which is up front of him, but puts them in a little bit of a quandary because um, he's an important player. He scored uh, 82 points last mm. year and uh, he's I think they're their best forward and you know he has one year left in his contract and he, he says it will not resign there he wants to play somewhere on the west or east coast so he's either in, in one of two positions one he gets traded someplace where he will resign or two he could get traded to some place that would be interested in renting him for a year and that's where the Leafs come in. Friedman said, you know, he hasn't heard this, but based on where the Leafs are in terms of, uh, you know, they have that one-year window with mm. a lot of cap space that they mm. would be a team that would be interested in loading up for a year and adding a guy like a Panarin if he's available. It's interesting. The Leafs need defensive support, yet we're still talking about more forwards. I mean, how many great forwards can you have as part of the unit and how do all of these guys get their puck time? It just, I mean, even with John Tavares in the mix now, you're going to have many offensively gifted players looking to get their piece of the puck and get their points. Imagine Artemi Panarin joins the fold. Somebody will get bumped back down to the Marlies who would probably want to uh, really take a solid run at a, uh, an NHL roster spot this season coming and now you've got another uh point machine who's looking to get his it's you're almost now creating a problem that you don't need to create although having our Tammy Panarin join uh, a star-studded roster like the Maple Leafs have especially up front does um emphasize the idea that the team although positioned well for the long foreseeable future in the long term is really going to add to the arsenal for this particular season to take a run at the cup. Yet we still have the, the question, 
um, lingering, and it's it's the elephant in the room. What are the Leafs going to do to uh, augment and improve their blue line? Well, I think that the and again, this is just speculation, but if the Leafs do go out and sort of overload up front. It's an admission that basically the defensive market in terms of trade, uh, well, you know, trade either rental or long term is so ridiculous in terms of the price tag or bereft of any target that would really help them that their only option is to overload up front. If you, mm-hmm. if you look at uh, a situation like, you know, Eric Carlson is, you know, going to get traded eventually. Um, but he will never get traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Ottawa Senators will never do that. If you look at the other free agents next year, which means all guys who are on a one-year rental scenario, it's Jay Bomeister, it's Anton Strawman, uh, it's Ryan Ellis, all players who are playing for competitive teams, Nashville, St. Louis, uh, you know, so they're, they're not going to trade those players. So right now, the only option is to potentially uh, is either to hold on to that cap space until the deadline and hope to add as a rental. But in that case, the prices usually are are higher. But if you add a rental now with a year left, you may pay a little less and you get the benefit of that player for the entire season. This is the Leafs combo. Norman James, along with Mike Godjello. aren't the Maple Leafs linked to just about any player? who people are speculating to be moved, right? They are the Maple Leafs after all. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, that, that is the price that you pay for being in the, the center of the hockey universe is that your name gets floated with everybody. But, I, I mean, if you, if you look at it objectively, I mean, I have no idea what the price tag would be going back to Columbus if they were in on Panarin. But the Leafs are at 47 contracts right now without Nylander being signed. So that means 48, which means they're up against the 50 pro contract limit again. And they just clearly have too many players in their organization right now. And they have players coming down the pike in a couple of years. So it's, a, it, it's an embarrassment of riches in a sense where you could afford a two or three for one deal, which probably would be what would it, it would take to get a Panarin or other players. I'm, I wrote a column for Sporting News that will probably be up to today or tomorrow where I listed four or five different players and, you know, similar situations to Panarin one year left in a deal and guys like guys like Wayne Simmons and Jeff Skinner and Ellis and Carlson, even though I think there's no chance that Ellis or Carlson will be traded. I mean, you never know closer to the deadline if uh, those teams will reevaluate their situations, but there are other opportunities to add players. Well, Brian Ellis, one of my favorite junior hockey players ever, is doing well in the NHL, but he's in a redundant quality with the, if he were to join the Maple Leafs at some point, whether through trade or one day through free agency, He'd be a redundant asset, um, and although, you know, again, nice to have, but the Leafs are in need of a particular type of defenseman, a defenseman that they don't have or they do have, and uh, those particular players of that caliber are, are getting up there um, in age. So it's, it's interesting. You can have all kinds of stuff. You can have lots of money. Lots of great talent front uh, in goal, but you can't just 
you can't just, uh, you know, create or make something appear that really isn't out there, no matter how much money, how many resources you have, Mike. Yeah, I mean, in the Ellis situation, as as I wrote about, I mean, it's it's a, it's a particularly strange one. The circumstances may be set up for him leaving Nashville at the end of this year because he's been locked up for five years on a very reasonable mm-hmm. contract, two point five million dollars, and he, you know, he's a forty to forty five point defenseman. He's only twenty seven years old, but. Roman Yossi is a UFA after next year. They have Pekka Rene to sign. So they may be allocated, and they already have Ekholm and Subban locked up. So they may have to allocate their money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's going, to ex- he's going to expect a payday like Tavares expected a payday after have being on a reasonable deal with the Islanders. They, they expect to be paid and paid well. And he probably yeah. will not be able to. To, to be able to have that in Nashville, which may force Nashville to trade them before they lose them for nothing in free agency. Real quick, before we get into the uh, backup goalie um, battle that um, is looming, on Panarin, he, he would look great on the roster. I'm certain he would help if he stays healthy and all these guys are healthy and they're all playing at peak. The Leafs are just going to be almost invincible offensively. Yet, what are you willing to part with to ha- get his services for what would likely be just a single season? Despite having an embarrassment of riches, lots of young players, lots of prospects, do you really want to start dealing them out like you know, you're drunk and throwing poker chips on the table at the casino um, recklessly just to bring somebody in for one season? A player who you could say is um, adding to the surplus of, of players of that ilk already, Mike. I mean, even if you do have an embarrassment of riches from a prospect point of view, you still want to be cognizant of what you have and, and how you use them. Any deal made, made for Panarin is going to be costly. It's going to likely include their first-round pick. Um, it probably would include a young forward, a Janssen, a Kapanen, or a, a Connor Brown and maybe a prospect, but this is, you know, we're talking about them loading up and going for it this year with that window of uh, the cap space that they have. And, you know, Tavares in his first year and before Matthews and Marner sign their big contracts. So it's an opportunity, but it, it would probably would cost them some players that, you know, have been talked about for years as being, you know, potential future leaps, but there it will be a, a now scenario for the, for the team. Either way, I'm interested in what Kyle Dubas decides to do next. If they were to acquire someone of Artemi Panarin's caliber and add him to uh, a glut of incredible forwards at this point, heck, I, I'll enjoy the ride. If not, and they decide to, to save their assets, uh, contributors like Connor Brown, important first round picks. Um, I'm okay with that too. Let's talk about what really matters. The backup goaltending situation for the Maple Leafs. How controversial is this going to become Mike? <laughs> well, I, it, it's funny because, you know, you think backup goaltender doesn't mean that much, but to Mike Babcock, it means an awful lot. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, Jonas Enroth was brought in as the backup. He played a grand total of four games and, 
Babcock had no confidence in him, and he went between him and Antoine Bebo and overplayed Anderson until they got Curtis McElhaney off of waivers from Columbus, and then he played great down the stretch. And then this year, um, you know, he had an over 930 save percentage of goals against in the low twos and won, I think it was 11 games. So, you know, he was a difference maker when Anderson didn't play and Anderson played 66 games, but when McElhaney was in there, there was no drop off in, in the performance. And the, you've got a, a situation right now where, you know, McElhaney's 35, but he's got another year in his contract. And I think he has the confidence of Babcock and that's an important thing. You've got Garrett Sparks who wins the Calder cup last year, but has been mainly a consistent starter and has never, handled sort of backup duties where he's not going to play for two weeks at a time. So that's a consideration. And you've got Calvin Pickard who also had almost as good a year as, as Sparks and has played as an NHL backup and all three of them are on one way deals. So it's going to be a battle in training camp, but I, I just don't see even if Sparks stands on his head, if McElhaney is, is competent, he's going to get the job. And then I wonder whether Dubas is going to be forced into a situation where he has to carry three goaltenders to prevent losing uh, Garrett Sparks on waivers. If Sparks is one of your goaltenders of the future and you want to implement um, a, a, a process in which he, he gets into games um, he's backing up in situations where Freddie Anderson has an off night. Um, he's going to be the guy if Anderson gets hurt, then great. However, um, I just don't think that Garrett Sparks is is going to be an integral part of the organization going forward. And that's not a knock against them. It's just the fact that the incumbent um, is planning to be around for some time. And we all believe that he's got another gear to go to as well. I like having a backup goaltender who has the sage and, and wisdom of someone who's in his mid to late thirties and is still obviously healthy and, and still spry enough to, to play uh, a certain amount of games. It's kind of like having a, a veteran uh, mid reliever coming into games to, to mop up situations down the stretch. I know people hate the baseball analogies, but that's life. Some of us like other sports. I, I just like to have the veteran presence there, Mike. It's like wanting to have that veteran defenseman, that um, blue chip, stalwart defenseman you you have someone with the experience who can kind of steady right the ship steady steady the situation when things go pear-shaped in terms of a backup he's someone like um curtis McElhaney, he's not going to play too much but he's a little bit older a little bit wiser he's got a, a little bit more to to hang on to a little bit more at stake and i think all of those uh ingredients combined uh, um create somebody who is perfect for that role, um, albeit uh, a temporary one because uh, you, or not temporary, but a, a limited one considering someone like Mike Babcock would rather ride his guy in, in Freddie Anderson. So I'm thinking Curtis McElhinney, it's his backup job to lose, but you know what, if he, if he shits the bed uh, in training camp or he comes in over out of weight or overweight or out of shape, then uh, it could be another story. But uh, you know, I don't know if there's going to be much controversy here at all. Well, I mean, I think the controversy is what what they do with Sparks. I mean, I personally yeah. thought that he would be included in some sort of trade um, this summer to get a defenseman that hasn't come to fruition as of yet. What the, the problem is, is that, as I said, Sparks is 
under contract for one more year at I think six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, and coming off the you know the winning the basically the AHL version of the Vesna and Jennings and winning the Calder Cup. If there is a goal, if there's a team out there that needs a goalie as needs a backup, and he's put on waivers he's probably, and I'd say most likely going to get claimed. Whereas, I mean, is this another Josh Levo scenario where, you know, they keep sparks on the 23 man roster to prevent him from getting claimed, but he's going to be like, like another JF Barube who just sits there all year. And I think that that doesn't do anything for sparks and that doesn't do anything for the Leafs. So they, I, I think they really have to remedy the situation and the, you know, maybe McElhaney clears waivers, but I don't think Babcock is going to, go through a situation where they're going to call up McElhaney every time they need to give Anderson a rest and, you know, keep sparks on the 23 man roster. I think this has to get settled. And I think the eventual backup goaltender of this team next year after McElhaney's contract runs out is not Garrett Sparks. It's Calvin Pickard. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Norman. And that's a wrap on another podcast. Thank you so much to Mike and Buffalo for his infinite wisdom. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Go to the playlist. Check out The Take, a great series put together by the prospect prince himself, Kyle Outridge. You can get at me on social media at I Am Sports Heart. You can reach Mike at Mike and Buffalo and the podcast at The Leafs Convo. We have great stuff coming up in the future. Stay with us. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. For Mike, I'm Norman James. We'll talk to you soon. This is the Leafs Convo. Peace.